biggest you know takeaway for me about empathy is when you're sitting there with somebody that's really going through some tough times if the one thing they walk away with is that they're not alone that you are there for them you've succeeded yeah because so often and and again back to your high performers right they never want to ask for help i'm not the one that asks for help i'm the one that gives help right and and so when it gets really bad what do we do we pull back and we go, I need some time off to be by myself. You know what? That's the worst idea ever. Mm-hmm. They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock, taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menswar. It's Brant and it's Jim, and mm-hmm. we are here on Thoughts That Rock with uh, an amazing guest today. Listen, you know how we do it here. We have a particular uh, topic, mm-hmm. and then we go and look for three just amazing pieces of advice surrounding that topic, and uh, today it's all about anxiety. What's, yeah. what's that, Jim? Well, it's how to deal with it, and mostly at work, which I'm sure when you... No, I mean, what's anxiety? I What's that? Oh, you never? I've never I don't know what that is. That's, a, that's an hourly thing. Yeah, uh, the topic was uh, how to deal with anxiety at work, and so I know a lot of people probably have some semblance of uh, of going through this, and our good friend Chester Elton, I've done Chester for probably 25, maybe 30 years at this point, back in my hard rock days, we hired him as a... As a speaker, he's a, a number one New York Times best-selling author. Uh, yeah, his book, the Who Care Isn't. Principle, <laughs> who is it? Uh, oh, wait. You and I <laughs> oh, are. Right. <laughs> well, let's just right. hit the stage. <laughs> um, but, but he focuses on culture and leadership and engagement's really how I know him. Yep. In fact, I thought maybe we would use him for an engagement um, episode. And then I just thought, well, the, the, he's, he'd be perfect for this. This is kind of the yeah. topic that he's focusing on right now. Yeah. Um, but man, he's great at that. He's been known as the apostle of appreciation. Talk about having a moniker. Uh, that's better. <laughs> that's better than some of the ones that have been used for us. Yeah, <laughs> all of all of that is better than us. Uh, he was number three among the world's top leadership experts uh, according to Global Gurus. I forget what number you're at, but he's at number three. I'm on the Canadian list. <laughs> oh, you are? Yes. Does the number transpose a little bit different? I'm on, I'm on the Polish list. It's in reverse order. Man, this guy, though, I mean, he is fun, uh, super approachable. I, I, I love this guy. Um, but, man, Chester's one of the smartest people we've had on the show. It was a lot of fun listening, even though this is a serious topic that people are going through. We just, we're just yeah. we happy to have him on. It was an amazing conversation. Uh, honestly, uh, so many incredible nuggets. Uh, he's got... A huge newsletter on LinkedIn, oh, hundreds yeah. of thousands of people, um, something for, for everybody to hear. And, and we are just excited for you guys to uh, to listen to this incredible conversation with Chester Elton. You're yeah. going to love it. Check it out. There he is, the man of the hour, Chester Elton. What's up, buddy? 
a uh, price of gold, as far as I can tell. But listen, uh, delighted to be with you guys. Uh, thoughts that rock, you know. You're the thoughts that rock. I'm the apostle of appreciation. This is yeah, you be are more fun than we should be allowed. I just know it. I really wanted that uh, that nickname, and and then I found out that you had taken it. All right, that is, <laughs> right. It, but it is perfect for you. I mean, as long as I've known Chester, I've known hey. him at least 15 years. That is such a great moniker for you. Yeah, the thanks. world needs more apostles, so we'll take it. <laughs> yes, we we'll will. Take it. You know, we collected a couple more that are just fun, and you know. You, 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 you can't give yourself the nickname, right? Somebody's got to right. give it to you. And that was from the Toronto Globe and Mail. But we were at a conference, and the guy dubbed us, the, you can love this, the Dalai Lamas of Workplace Traumas. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> nice. That is that's awesome. A, that's a T-shirt I'm waiting for right there. <laughs> yeah. Love it. So uh, everybody has heard, uh, obviously, when we were doing the introduction there and, and rattled off a few things from Chester's background. But I'll say it again. you got to go and check out his bio in the show notes. Yep. Uh, th- this guy's amazing. And I'm just I'm so honored to know him as a friend. And he is probably one of the most positive people that I know. And, of course, just like I said in the introduction, I thought he'd be wearing orange. And he's wearing orange, <laughs> which is done. It's awesome. And, and this topic that we selected, there's nobody perfect, Chester, than you, for sure. This is uh, our, our episode is on three thoughts on how to handle anxiety at work, which right. is please right up your alley. So we're just going to turn it over to you and, and let's start right out of the gate, man. What is your first thought on how to handle anxiety at work? I know a lot of our people are, are probably interested in this. Yeah. Let me give you a little background on the book uh, before we get into that first one, but it's really interesting. You know, Adrian and Gostick is my co-author and we've been writing yep. together for 22 years now. And Anxiety at Work is actually our 14th book. And it was interesting because we've always focused on leadership and culture with that common, you know, thread of gratitude. Mm -hmm. And you'll notice on the cover of the book, this isn't Gostick and Elton. This is Gostick and Elton and Gostick. We brought in Adrian's son, Anthony Gostick. Now, he's this classic millennial, super smart kid. I've known him since he was like six years old, right? And has been anxious, like literally his whole life. And it was him that came came to us and said... You oldies, which I appreciated that moniker, you (laughs) oldies, you you never talk about mental health. He goes, my generation, it's all we talk about. Like we start every conversation with how are you doing? And what we mean is how are you handling depression? How are you handling stress? Mm. How are you handling anxiety? And he said, do you guys ever talk about that? And Adrian, we went, oh, no. Like, no, 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 no. Well, you know, my generation is rub some dirt on it. Get back That's, in the game. Uh, yeah. yeah. Get up, kid. You know, like when we were playing sports, somebody got knocked out. We thought that was hilarious. You know, yes, right. some I still think that's funny, which is inappropriate. But the point is, <laughs> is we don't talk about Bruno. Like, because, because, yeah. you know, you, you could never normalize that conversation. You know, you're always afraid that that it, you'd be perceived as weak, that you couldn't take the pressure, you know, and it was all about the work, you know, check your 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 personal life at, at the door. And, and it was really enlightening when Anthony came to us and said, listen, how can you be a great leader if you're not addressing mental health? How can you have a great culture if you're not dealing with mental health? And so that, that first, you know, thought that rocks is we got to normalize this conversation. We got to make it safe, you know, to talk about, mental health. A lot of work was done on psychological safety. You know, my voice is heard, my opinion matters. And that's great. And I think that's important. We got to raise the bar to emotional safety. Because Mm -hmm. listen, there's still a huge stigma out there that if I say, look, I'm born and not, I need a mental health day. We go, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, why? Come on. You know, suck it up. And and my generation, we'd say, hey, look, just calm down. Just take a deep breath. Well, 
Uh, my favorite quote, you're going to love this, is never in the history of calming down has telling somebody to calm down ever calmed ever down worked. anybody. <laughs> yes. That should be your, your new quote. Exactly. <laughs> but how do you do that, Chester? Like when you say normalize the conversation, what do you mean by that? And, and maybe give us some examples if you can. Yeah. So first thing we did, and this is what we do in all our work, is we went to the data. And we said, what, what are the numbers telling us? Pre-pandemic, about 18% of employees said they suffered from anxiety disorders. So call it one in five. You get to the end of 2021, that jumps to 30%. Okay, so now you're talking about 30 workforce. Go to workers in their 20s, it's 42%. Now, th those are huge numbers. So when you say, I want to normalize the conversation, say, look, if, if, you, if you had you know, a bunch of workers in their 20s, that 42% of them that showed up with a broken leg, you talk about it. Yes. And say, hey, there's something crazy going on here that 42% yeah. of our workers in their 20s have broken legs. Like, first thing you do is say, look, no more skateboards, <laughs> what, what, yeah. you know, whatever you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that would be a normal thing. We'd say, look, there's something going on here. It's ski season or whatever. You know, you've got a broken leg. Take the time. Do the rehab. You take every time you need. Somehow when we say, look, we got 42% that are really suffering because it's not as obvious as a broken leg. Yeah. So you say, we got to normalize that. we we got to say, look, there's, there's something going on here. And it's okay to talk about it. And it's not going to impact your next raise. It's not going to impact you being able to be promoted or, or get that you know, fun or cool assignment. Because just like a broken leg is going to keep you from doing your work, so is you know, anxiety and depression mm. and stress and so on. So the first step really is how do we normalize that conversation? Now, one other data point for you. And we found this fascinating. Well, I'll give you the quiz. Let's, let's see if you guys can come uh -oh. remotely close to the answer. You right? told me there would be no quiz. <laughs> <in this>. No <laughs> math. All right. No math. There we go. Uh, is what percent of employees do you think feel safe talking to their manager or supervisor about mental health? So give me a percentage, not a number. What percent feel safe? I'm going to say 7%. I'm going to go low. I was going to say 15. 15. You guys are right in the ballpark. It's 10%. So flip that around. I was Nine, closer. <laughs> Sorry, it wasn't Jim, a competition. Yeah. Thank was, you. Everything is a competition. Right? That's right. Gen, Gen um, X, what are you going to do? The thing, the thing is, is when you think about it, 90% won't talk about it because it's yeah. not safe. Yeah. So that first thought that rocks really is how do we normalize the conversation? And one of the best ways to do that, interestingly enough, is share your own story. Now, a really great uh, friend of ours that we came across while we were doing this work on anxiety is a woman named Nabila Ekstalaban up in, in Canada. She's the chief people officer for Walmart Canada, 100,000 employees. Mm. She starts every meeting by saying, look, I'm a recovering workaholic, and it cost me. She said, I would routinely work 80, 85-hour weeks for Starbucks, and she worked for all these big-name brands and now Walmart. It cost me my health. It cost me my marriage. It cost me my relationships. And here's what I love about Nabila, and she's so transparent about it. She would, she's sharing this in town halls and so on. She got some pushback. One of the employees said, look, Nabila, I get that you know, you're being vulnerable and you're sharing your story. Well, easy for you to do now. You're the chief people officer for Walmart Canada. Like, tell me it wasn't worth it. Like, would you would you be the chief people officer if you hadn't put in those 85 hours? Great point. Hour? Great point. And her answer was brilliant. She said, yes, I would have gotten here. It would have taken me longer. And now that I know that, 
I would make that trade. Now that I know what what I suffered to get here, I would gladly trade five or six, seven years to get where I am today to still have my family intact and still have my mental health. So that being vulnerable, that sharing the story. Mm-hmm. Look, people want if, if they want to progress in your organization, they look at their leaders and say, OK, I want to be him. I want to be her. Yeah. So they will mimic your behavior. And as soon as you say, you know what, I've had a lot of success in my career. Let me tell you, there were dark times and mm-hmm. here's how I dealt with it. So if you get into those dark times, it's OK to talk to me about it. I've been there. Wow. I love that. That opens the door and makes it safe. Yeah. I think uh, so. Chester at 51 years old for me, somehow someone convinced me to go back to school and uh, do some postgraduate work <laughs> at Cornell of all places. So I'm like buried in things that I sh- I'm, I'm not a happy camper these days with the amount of homework at 51 that I have is not, not right. Um, but one of the things we've been studying is uh, you're talking about uh, emotional culture. Right. right. And, and, and a leader's responsibility to build the emotional culture of an organization. And one of the things it talks about is these emotional contagions. Yes. And so just like you're talking about, um, uh, for, for the woman that, that ends up sharing with, with the group is she's really sharing an emotional contagion. It's this, you know, we catch it just like we see somebody yawn and then we yawn. It's that same powerful moment that you have where, if you're choosing to share the right things, it can be caught just like, just like that yawn. And, and I love this idea of normalizing it in a way that is really building the emotional culture. You know, one of the, uh, the work I do is all around values and, and connecting organizational and personal values. And one of the things that we have learned from over 10,000 employee surveys that that we've looked at for what is a high performance culture need from a value standpoint to exist um the first is connection but the second is integrity and so that integrity is really about building the emotional culture is it a safe space to show up as your authentic self um if they feel that way then their opportunity to grow their opportunity to engage the opportunity for unique contribution all of that stuff really comes to the forefront but if it doesn't um, then, then not only do you have the, you know, the, the quiet quitting epidemic and everything else that's happening right now, of just mm-hmm. basically disengagement. Um, but, but you don't end up with the, that unique contribution that's going to give you the competitive advantage over anyone or, or anything because yeah. you're getting group, you're getting group think you're getting whatever people feel safe to contribute, but it's not actually what they want to say. Right. And, and you make a great point, that quiet quitting. You know, a couple of more data points for you. 50% of millennials and 75% of Gen Z said they have quit a job because of a mental health issue. Now, and, and why they're quitting is because 90% of them don't feel safe talking about it. Yeah. It's easier to quit, take some time off, go find another job. Yeah. You know, I, I was yeah. talking to a guy the other day. He said, you know, you always talk about this war for talent. He says, stop talking about the war for talent. The war is over and the talent won. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's not like I've got to stay in this job because there's nowhere else to go. There's there's lots yeah, of yeah. places to go, and so you talk about creating that high performance culture. Well, we've got these brilliant, like Anthony Gostick, who shared his story mm-hmm. with us. Brilliant, just got his master's degree at USC in biogenics and genome mapping and stuff that you know it, I can't pronounce, let alone have any hope of spelling right. And and he, this brilliant kid, well, if he doesn't feel safe. If he doesn't feel like he's he's got a boss that cares about him, 
mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he, he's just going to quit and, and go do something else, which, you know, that, that second thought that rocks that, you know, as we're going to talk about three is you got to destigmatize it, which yeah. normalizing goes a long way to doing that. But once you've got to the point where you say, look, it's no different than a broken leg. Uh, you, you, you've arrived. The, the stigma piece is really interesting, though. And I love to do this. You know, Adrian and I speak at conferences and do workshops and all kinds of stuff. It's really fun. And you'll get these groups and I'll say, we're talking about anxiety. He said, now, listen, um, the trick is how do you identify it? Like, how do you... I said, like, raise your hand if you got somebody on your team that's just killing it. Like, you're just your rock star. They all raise their hands. They go, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what do we do with those rock stars? We load them up, <laughs> right? Like, like, cause they never say no. They never disappoint. Mm-hmm. Their work is always brilliant. I said, I will guarantee you that nine out of 10 of those rock stars suffer from some severe anxiety. I get, mm-hmm. I, like, I guarantee it. And, and what do we do instead of, you know, making sure they're okay? We just keep funneling those big projects yeah. and load them up and load them up and load them up. And then all of a sudden we're wondering like, where did they go? And they've, you know, yeah. They're down in Cabo, you know, um, trying to recover. So we say, look, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you see it? Well, what we look for is you say, look in changes in behavior. And anybody can have a bad day, but somebody who's never late starts showing up late. Somebody who never loses their temper loses their temper. Somebody who's always engaged starts to be a little more withdrawn. I mean, you you know what the signs are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's so interesting. We have this list. And at the bottom of the list, we say, and, and by the way, whatever you do, don't do this. Don't go up and say, hey, I listened to this Thoughts That Rocks podcast about anxiety. And I got to tell you, man, you check all the boxes. <laughs> you know what I mean? You are just uh, so seriously like, talk to me, dude. It's safe. You know? So so the question is, so then you say, okay, so I get it. Like I'm, I'm seeing all. So how do I start the conversation? Which is a great question, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we talk to a lot of therapists and stuff because people say, look, okay, I make it safe to talk to them. But then they talk to me. What am I going to do? I can't write a prescription. I'm not, right. you know, I don't have a, I didn't go back to Cornell. I haven't got a degree that says, you know, I'm a, a certified therapist. Say, look, when people feel safe to talk to you about it, they don't want the solution. They just want you to listen. So how do you get it to the point where, well, they'll actually talk to you. Say, use these words. And if you're going to write something down while you're listening, write this down. Say, I've noticed. It's as simple as that. Say, you know what, mm-hmm. Sam? I've noticed that you just had a tough time getting to work on time. What can I do to help? Do we need to adjust your schedule? And it's always about work. I've, I've noticed that uh, you're just kind of little irritable these days. You're kind of like, for somebody who's the happiest guy I know, you're just not that, you know, I've just noticed that you're not yourself. What can I do to help? Because, and here's the interpretation, and I thought this was brilliant. When somebody says, I've noticed, your brain translates that to, they care. Yeah. Mm. I've noticed means I care. And once I know you care about me, I can kind of (sighs) go, I got a teenage kid and he's just completely come off the rails. You know, Mm. he spends all his time at the Hard Rock Cafe. I mean, he's just a guy's driving nuts. That will do. (laughs) That will do. That will do. (laughs) A little inside joke for those of you that don't know, Jim. Uh, At any rate, the the idea is, is, I've made it safe. I've noticed. I've let you know I care. I've maybe shared, you know, a little bit of my personal story. And so when you can normalize the conversation and then destigmatize it and make it safe, then people will, will start to open up. And and that's when and, and that's when don't don't come up with the solution. Just listen. 
And, yeah. and I'll share a wonderful personal story with you about just listening, right? Because we can all do that. But we're leaders, right? We want to solve problems. I've seen this before. Have you tried this? Have you downloaded the Calm app? Have you called the 800 number? You know, have you, you know, have you, can you breathe? Breathe with me, you know. All this stuff. <laughs> um, my daughter calls me up. She's a librarian in Iowa City, Iowa. And she calls me up. She's dad, you know, on the politics at the library. And, and I'm thinking, Cassie, you couldn't have called a better person. You know, I'm, I'm one of the <laughs> highest ranked executive coaches in the world. I'm a best-selling author. I've studied, you know, listen. And, and by the way, I'm going to give you these gems for free because I'm your yeah. dad and I love you. You know, and I'm going in to have you talked about this. Have you thought about that? And I'm, I'm, I'm full coaches mode, right? Yeah. There's this pause. And I go, hey, like, Cassie, okay? She goes, Dad, I don't always need a coach. Sometimes I just need a dad. Mm-hmm. And I went, ah. <laughs> just because mm-hmm. I said, fair enough. I'm going to shut up. Just talk to me. She goes, thanks, Dad. You know, Aww. and yeah, I know. And so, you know, I recovered and she still loves me. Well, she kind of has to because of her dad. But <laughs> yes. the point is, is, is that translates to the workplace, right? They come to you with their issues and stuff. Don't jump into, you know, executive coach mode, solution mode. Just sit yeah. back and listen. Just sit back and listen. They just want a friendly ear. Definitely. And I think um, co-hosts could probably learn a lot from that. <laughs> So, and I may be wrong on this one part, but do you think from when you start talking about normalizing, I think about you, you were sort of throwing some of the forums out there and it could be, here's the, the example you were using. Somebody was doing it at the beginning of all their pre-ships. It could be a town hall, which you said could be a formalized meeting. Um, you referencing the 1-800 number. Maybe the benefits has a specific place <laughs> you can call, but I think, and maybe I'm thinking about it differently, but the destigmatized part is almost personal one-on-one when you're using language like i've noticed um you know because there's a lot that the organization can do but then to some degree don't the managers doesn't the leader kind of go okay now what the next step is i've got to destigmatize i know you're going to get to your third one but do i think of that right as part of the normalizing organizationally you have different ways that you can approach different people and you make it a safe space but then the, the next thought that rocks for you is i gotta have a personal conversation how do i do that yeah yeah you're spot on you know one of my favorite cultures uh, on the planet actually is american express they do a mm. brilliant job in in you know their blue box values and my son carter works there has worked there for a long time uh in, in fact uh, one of my best friends there is the one of the heads of comp and ben teaches at cornell university uh and oh uh, there yeah. you go and and I've been guest lecturing there in their uh, master's program for HR for gosh, uh, 10, 12 years now. The, the point is, is they do a great job as an organization. Like they have mental health month and they bring in these, you know, rock stars and star athletes and they talk about their struggles with mental health and depression and anxiety and so on. And so that overarching gives permission to your point though, we don't believe, you know, at, at 10,000 feet, everything looks beautiful, right? Mm-hmm, You've right. got to get down to sea level, and the sea level is exactly what you're talking about, and that's that one-on-one and that, yeah. that sits down. And I'll tell you, uh, the more we've looked at this is whether you're uh, a teammate, a coworker, whatever you call yourselves, right, or, or a manager, supervisor, one really good way to, to get that relationship uh, safe and healthy is do you know their story? Right. Mm-hmm. And simple questions like, hey, where did you come from? How did you right. get here? What, what do you want to accomplish while you're here? 
Right. And where do you want to be in two or three years? Right. Yeah. It's it, it's really interesting because once I know your story, it changes. Like, and and everybody's got a story, and everybody's story is their is the mm -hmm. most valuable thing to them, you know. And and now with with the workforce being so diverse, right? You've got you know folks that are immigrant parents from from you know Jordan or Iraq or Iran or Afghanistan. You've got you know uh, the big Indian populations that have come over for school and so on, and their traditions are different. They look at life differently. Their families are different. Their traditions are different, and they're all important. And right. once you know that, and go, you gotta be kidding me! I was talking to this guy the other day, and I'd known him for a while. He said, "Let me get this straight: your your grandparents swam." to a dinghy off the shore of Vietnam and then they got loaded and now you're like what <laughs> yeah, yeah you know and I think that the, the toughest thing that happened to me is I got cut from my eighth grade basketball team <laughs> <Yeah>. you know <laughs> I, I mean and, and then and then you understand you know that 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 why they, they their families are so important and their work ethic is so brilliant and and why they're so caring and why they get involved and and you know their stories you know um I was uh, listening to this guy, and he, he started his, his career as a professional French horn player. I, I didn't even know there were professional French horn players. Yeah. Like, seriously, somebody will pay you to play the French <laughs> horn? Like, enough to live on, you know? And, 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 and so you get that. Now you kind of understand. You kind of say, okay, now when something crazy happens, like, like a big storm, if you come from a country where typhoons happen, like I get mm. why all of a sudden that's a bigger deal for you. Yeah. Right. So know their stories. And I, and I love those simple questions. Where did you come from? How did you get here? What do you want to accomplish while you're here? And where yeah. do you want to go? And how can I help you get there? That, is, that, that develops those relationships. And you're going to talk about that emotional connection. That's an emotional connection yeah. that's important. Mm -hmm. Chester, is that something that for, you know, so we're, we're Gen Xers. And, and uh, you know, we like to joke, you're right, just rub a little dirt on it. I can remember <laughs> complaining that my arm hurt at a baseball practice and my coach spit chew on my elbow and rubbed it in and said, you're good to go. <laughs> you know? And I was like, okay, I guess I'm all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, for we, we sort of have, we grew up in a different time. Yeah. And, and for, there's a lot of, of managers now and executives who are Gen Xers who, really struggle with Gen Z and millennials who who maybe aren't in their opinion tough enough or or you know they don't they don't show the same sort of Gen X grit that that we have grown up being latchkey kids or, or right. whatever yeah. we were right does getting to know their stories help Gen Xers find a way to destigmatize because you know if you've got this predisposed notion that that's just not a thing or or you need to toughen up does getting to know their stories help soften the hearts a little bit enough for, so that destigmatizing is possible i, I do i, I do uh, because once you know somebody you know my my grandfather used to say the only people you don't love are people you haven't served you know mm -hmm. and if you're gonna if you're gonna serve somebody and if you're a leader you're you should be at least have a part of that servant leadership where i'm here to help right how can i help Knowing people's stories, I, I, I do think it, it raises empathy, it raises understanding. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's really interesting. I had a big aha, and again, this was from Anthony. Um, he said, you know, you guys, you don't think we're tough. I know you don't. And I said, yeah, you're right, we don't. Did you guys ever, when you were kids, did you ever have active shooter drills? Mm -hmm, did yeah. you ever... You know, when you walked into a movie theater, was your first thought, what's the fastest way out of here? 
Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and it, 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 did, did you ever think that you would have to lock yourself in a closet and be really quiet? Yeah. And that was the way you were going to survive. And I went, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going to go, okay, yeah. you got me, you know. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I mean, this is the most anxious generation ever. Yeah. You know, and, and for lots of reasons, you know, sure. um, that we could go in f for forever. So I really, I think that's a great point. I, I, I do think that once you know people and, and you take the time, and people say, hey, look, I'm managing, you know, 500 people. I say, well, you know, just five minutes, you know, and yeah. you're not going to know all 500. But the more you know, yeah. the, the better it's, it, it, it's going to get. It's a great point. Well, that probably, I, I think it's it's probably leading, I think, to your, your third thought that rocks. It probably has to be since you're already talking about knowing their story, sure. right? What, what is the, the last thought really around anxiety at work? Yeah, is empathize. You've got to empathize. And, and, and by that, you know, and, and that's a, a word that has a lot of interpretations, right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean, hey, I'm going to just sit here and cry with you. I'm just, you know, we're going to let's go to the hot tub. We'll sing Kumbaya. We'll just, we'll just have a good cry. It doesn't mean that. It might mean if you're in California, maybe. But, you know, the, the point okay. is, is em empathy is, look, I don't know exactly what that feels like. I, I, I felt kind of like that before. And I'm going to sit with you here. The, the, mm -hmm. the biggest, the biggest you know, takeaway for me about empathy is when you're sitting there with somebody that's really going through some tough times, if the one thing they walk away with is that they're not alone, that you are there for them, you've succeeded. Yeah. Because so often, and, and again, back to your high performers, right? They never want to ask for help. I'm not the one that asks for help. I'm the one that gives help, right? And, and so when it gets really bad, what do we do? We pull back. And we go, is, I need some time off to be by myself. You know what? That's the worst idea ever mm -hmm. when you're suffering from stress or anxiety or depression. I'm just going to go sit by my, no. You, you know, and it's counterintuitive because what you really want to do is you want to surround yourself with great people. Mm -hmm. If you want to do something fun, I, I did this not too long ago. You know, I, I, I've been presenting for 20 years and I love to present and it's a lot of fun. And I get anxious before every presentation. I think mm. if you don't, it's, there's to me, if you don't get a little anxious, it means you don't care. <laughs> right. Yeah. So anyway, and, and I had to do this thing and it was virtual and, and it was all lined up. And I don't know why I was just really, I just had this feeling like this was the time when all the wheels were going to come off. And not only was it not going to be good, I was going to get hate mail. <laughs> you, you, know, you, mm. you know, you talk yourself into that. So what I did is I, I put out a, a, a quick text to about 15 of my friends. And I said, hey, the apostle of appreciation needs a, needs a little love. I got this presentation. I don't know why. I'm freaking out. Can you guys just text me something that, to encourage me? You know, mm. And it was fabulous. I got this floodgate. These, they said, are you kidding? You're going to rock it. You're going to kill it. Are you kidding? And then, and then afterwards, I actually, one of my friends called me. He goes, hey, I just want to follow up with it. Like, are you okay? Like, seriously. <laughs> like, of all the people that freak out, you're not on my list. <laughs> you know. And then you know what he said, which I loved? He said, and what a great example. Thank you for doing that. You know, we all need to reach out more. And we're all afraid that mm. if we reach out, we'll think less. And yet, there were 15 of my friends that were dying to say, hey, man, we got your back. Mm. And mm. so when I talk about empathy, it's like, like, look, look, I'm here for you. Like, seriously, just call me. In fact, yeah. I'm going to call you out of the blue and just check in. 
How are you doing? Yeah. And, and this was really brought into context for me with a, a good friend of mine. Uh, you, you probably uh, know Marshall Goldsmith. He's like this uh, yeah. ridiculous executive coach. He's He's yeah. been a mentor to me, and we've, we've developed a really nice friendship. And he was telling me about going to St. Jude's Hospital. We've got this really cool leadership group called the, you know, the MG100, which is like the Pac-10 that has, you know, 15 teams. You know, it's like 350 <laughs> right. in, the, in the MG100, right? So um, he says, uh, one of the guys is the head of, the, of St. Jude's Hospital. And so he grabbed Marshall and he said, hey, I, I want to take you to the hospital. He says, now listen, you're going to see a lot of stuff. These are, these are kids with cancer and most of them are going to die. There's one thing you can't do. And if you do it, I'm going to pull you. Mm-hmm. And he said, what's that? He says, don't you dare cry. Mm-hmm. Don't you dare cry. And he goes, well, what do you mean? Well, but, you know, I want to, like, feel their pain. And, you know, we go through all this stuff. And, and isn't that a show of that I, you know? He goes, no. These are little kids. And if all everybody that shows up sees them, looks at them, and cries, the message is, is that I'm terrifying. Mm-hmm. That I'm some kind of monster. I, I make people cry. Said, you put on your happiest face. You make sure that you love those kids and you brighten their day. Now, when it's all over, be my guest. Go over to that room and break down yep. and cry, and you probably yep. will. So that was such a great lesson in empathy for me. We always think, oh, you poor thing. Let me sit here. No. It's like, hey, I'm here for you. I'm mm-hmm. going to listen. We're going to talk this out. I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I have felt alone. And I have felt abandoned and I have felt sad. I felt that. Let's figure this out. And boy, you know, that to me, when you've got a a manager that where you feel that safe. Yeah. Are you going to kill it for them the next day? Are you are you going to are you going to leave for, you know, a couple of grand more a year or or a a couple of dollars an hour more? Not a chance. Right. Not a chance. You think performance goes up? You bet. You think customer satisfaction and, and loyalty? The ripple effect, and I love that analogy, it ripples. Mm-hmm. It ripples through their work, through their personal lives, through their communities, through their families. If you just can normalize, destigmatize, and empathize. Those are great. That, those are great. I, When we were doing the introduction, we talked about you being a certified business and life coach. I would assume that these will fit for all three, but... Yeah, if we could get managers to almost at that point be able to do these three things and certainly have a conversation like I see you, I hear you, I'm empathizing with you, not using that exact word, boy, you'll you'll run through walls for them. It's just, you know, your stuff is amazing. Like I said, I've always known you as sort of the gratitude guy, the apostle of appreciation <laughs> and just, you know, even the stuff you do with employee engagement has just always been amazing. And I, I think it's brilliant that you've taken all of that that you've been doing and you and and and, uh, and your co-authors have now put it into this this really tough thing that people have to deal with. They can say anything they want to, but they can't ignore it. I mean, that's something uh, that I think it's been fantastic for you to put a spotlight on it. So, yeah, where, where Chester can uh, people stay in touch with you? If, you know, obviously they could go and get your book at a lot of places, but if they really want to learn a little bit more about the things you do, where could, where can we send them? Yeah, we're big on LinkedIn. You know, follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, we've got a wonderful newsletter. We were talking about it before the podcast called the Gratitude mm-hmm. Journal. And we'll wrap up with gratitude because we always do uh, when we're done uh, talking about this. But uh, follow us on, on LinkedIn. Sign up for the for the Gratitude Journal. We have a wonderful community called the thecultureworks.ia 
or AI, sorry, the culture works not AI, uh, where we're creating this safe place for people to talk about workplace anxiety and so on. And then our, our website, which is thecultureworks.com. You know, when your culture works, everything else works a little better. And there's no way you can have a great culture if you're not dealing with uh, mental health these days. And and then, and then just uh, obviously our books are available on Amazon and, and BookPal and all those great places. Uh, to, to wrap up, though, you know, we always talk about that common thread of gratitude. And the, the book we wrote previous to Anxiety at Work is called Leading with Gratitude, Eight Strategies, you know, for Superior Results and Anxiety at Work, Eight Strategies to Deal with Anxiety in the Workplace. Well, the eighth strategy in anxiety is gratitude. I'll tell you, you, you want to create a great culture and a great spirit. Um, be grateful for the people that show up and work hard every day. And, yeah. and develop little rituals around, you know, calling people out during your huddles or little handwritten notes. Or I've, I've got this great little ritual I've, I've developed uh, where I carry these little gratitude stones in my pocket. And it's just a little polished stone that says gratitude on it. And I give it to the guy at the gas station. I give it to the flight attendants and, I, you know, for, for people at conferences. And it's a simple little thing. And you say, it's a rock. <laughs> I gave, I gave yeah. you. A, like, I literally gave you a rock. You'd yeah. think it was a Fabergé egg, and the re- and I always like to say, do you know why it's a rock? And they go stability. I said, yeah, that's a good one. But what happens when you throw a rock into a pond? The water ripples, mm-hmm. and nothing ripples like gratitude. You know, when you put people in that good gratitude state of mind, they're 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 a little more kind. They're a little more generous, yeah. and 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 they take it home. You know. I, I, I love talking about leading with gratitude is a great way to lead. It's a better way to live, right? Yeah. yeah and yeah. when it comes to anxiety, you can't be in a state of gratitude and a state of anxiety at the same time. So yeah. when you introduce that, hey, I'm just so glad that you came to work today. You brighten up everybody's day. Our customers love you. You always show up. I got to tell you, I just love that about you. I'm, I'm grateful for you. Come on. And, takes yeah, you 10 seconds. You know, for takes you sure. 10 seconds. Well, I can honestly say I am absolutely grateful for one of you. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, man, this was this was amazing. I mean, you you are just a wealth of knowledge, and so we honestly, I hope people really do check out the show notes. Uh, And and you know what? Now that you now that I know you have eight points instead of three, (laughs) we're going to have to have you come back at some point and share some of the others. That's right. Yeah, I would love to do it. And, And there is some great stuff in there about having an ally at work and. You know, dealing with uncertainty and and dealing with perfectionism, we could spend a whole podcast. On He's got to get them all in. He there got his go. kids yeah, in there, there go, yeah, both yeah. kids, all eight points. And, and by the well, way, if you're going to buy the book, anybody can buy just one. Buy one for yourself and one for a friend. You know what I'm saying? Agreed. Yeah. Bar mitzvahs, anniversaries, the holidays are coming. Right. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you may as well buy the set. All th- all three right, of our books right. would be fantastic. <laughs> Chester, thank you so much, man. We love you, and uh, we we will see you soon, man. Rock on. Thank you, brother. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. Yeah, and listen, we know how busy you are, and grabbing those little nuggets of wisdom that can amp up your life are super hard to come by. So we hope this episode helped you enough for you to maybe subscribe and consider leaving us a rating and a review so that we can continue to grow the show. Thus That Rock is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and also supports Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options. They're amazing. Their work is incredible. To learn more, please go to cannonballkidscancer.org. Finally, if you're interested in having Brant or Jim or both of us speak at your event, whether as a virtual webinar or an in-person conference keynote or mastermind, 
contact us directly at thoughtsatrock.com. Until next time, rock, rock on. on.